I'm Steve Vibronix, and this is the Life in Dub podcast, talking to people who live their lives in dub and reggae. Episode number five. Welcome to the fifth Life in Dub podcast, a new series of in-depth interviews with people who've lived their lives in dub and reggae. Thanks again for all the support for Life in Dub. I can't believe it's episode five already. As ever, keep the messages, comments and suggestions coming in and let me know what you think about the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can get automatic updates for each new episode. And you can email me at vibronics at gmail.com and you can visit the podcast website, lifeindub.com. I wanted to talk briefly about collaborations this time. It's something I've become more and more known for. I guess really since the Empire Soldiers project with brain damage that began back in 2013, where we somehow managed to make a reggae concept album about the troops from the Caribbean, India and Africa caught up in World War I. Since then, I've been involved in some great projects with Conscious Sounds and last year with Sandra Cross and Sao Paulo's Daughters of Aya. My latest collaboration is with Weeding Dub from Lille in Northern France. We first worked together way back in 2004 and last year, Remain from Weeding Dub came to visit the Dub Cupboard studio here in Leicester where plans were hatched for the Note for Note Dub for Dub project that is officially launched this week, on Friday in fact, with the release of a first of a series of 12-inch EPs. So what is it about collaborations? I mean, I still love making Vibronics music myself and with the amazing Leicester team I work with, but collaborations challenge me to work differently each time, to keep learning new things, It's not just the music, that's a crazy and interesting process in its own right for sure, but working with other producers on releases, live shows, tours, promotions, all the stuff that goes into a musical release, and then travelling and performing together is different each time. And the old phrase, two heads are better than one, can really kick in as you bounce ideas around and come up with new ways of working for all parties involved. I think the real beauty of a good collaboration is giving up a bit of control. Sometimes not easy because it's something most producers are obsessed with. We love to be in control in the studio. So anyone out there who works on their own, I really recommend lining up some kind of musical collaboration. Sometimes it's not easy for a studio control freaks to let go, but when we do, the results can be really worthwhile. My guest this week is Mark Hyration. I drove up to the High Rise studio in Leeds where we sat down to talk about how he started out in music and the birth of Hyration Steppers and how Mark and the crew evolved into one of the most successful and highly influential sound systems out there. I've known Mark a long time, so it's great to sit down and talk through his life in dub. So, enough of me, let's get on with the interview. So, Mark Iration, welcome to the Life in Dub podcast. Okay, Mr. Vibronics, everything good? So we're here in, in Leeds, in Chapeltown. Yep, we're in Leeds, at the High Ride Studio which many people don't get to see. You have to be a privilege. Top secret location. That's what it is, man. Top secret, for real. No, no, secret, the secret's safe, Mark. The secret's <laughs> safe, definitely. What I'm doing with the guests is I'm asking everyone the same question at the beginning, and that is to name a track that you listened to or you, a, a track that, that had an effect on you where after, after hearing that, it kind of changed everything. There was no going back. When you look back, you think, yeah, that tune, I heard that, and then that, that changed things for me. So I don't know if you want to talk about a track like that, if you've got an example. Well, reggae music, right, obviously, Burning Spear, Culture, and them kind of guys was like, Bob Marley, obviously, was like, when you first heard reggae music, and it was all good. Then he started to go into like the Trinities and the Limbo Thompson, Barry Brown, Johnny Clarks, and stuff like that. But for when I come to sort of like hearing how a tune is mixed and this at the other, for me, Slave Driver by Dennis Brown and Rankin Joe um, kind of opened my eyes in the sense of like, wow, that's a wicked mix because Dennis Brown, one of my favorite singers, definitely in my top two. And Ranking Joe as a as an MC was just fire. Brilliant fire. combination. Do, do yeah. you remember do you remember where you heard it? When 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 that would have been? It would have been time? a session. It was a session. because uh, we had in Chapel in Chapel Town we got this thing called Community Centre where we used to go to virtually like a like a youth club. So we used to go there, I think it was a Thursday. We used to go there. Um and I think I heard it up there and um I wanted it. So I wanted this track. 
And I actually got it from HMV back in the days because I had a rapport with HMV because I used to work in town at a place called Safeways in town. And HMV was only five minutes walk down the so road. Safeways is the old supermarket. Yeah, old supermarket, yeah. Safeways. Yeah, I used to work there as a kind of a uh, under-management kind of thing, you know what I mean, doing my stuff. And I used to always go there at lunchtime to go and see what they got for me. Um, so that was my thing. I used to put rock cards away from me and stuff. And uh, I want this Slave Driver track by Dennis Brown and, and, and Rankin Joe. And it's like I said, Dennis Brown was the greatest singer. Uh, Rankin Joe one of the greatest MCs. And then the mix, man. It's the mix. You need to listen to the mix. There's two mix on there, man. It's like... And the bass, the way that the bass was driving and the mix... Kind of, effects, yeah. kind of wrote the template really for like oh. the kind of warrior stepper thing. Yeah. What 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 sort of time? What sort of, what kind of year are we talking? This this kind of time. Seventies. Seventies. Okay. Seventies. Okay. So this is like when it came out. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. When it came out, I was at school then. Yeah. I was at school. And we used to go to this rock card shop called um, Sir Yankees Rock Card in Leeds. Yeah. Down by just off space of place area down there, and. Uh, it's just like a rock art shop, like a garage, like a what, what, garage. What was it like? I mean, you describe what it was like, this place. This place was like, after school, we just catch school bus, go right by school bus, get Spencer place, and then walk up the back street from the bus stop, from the bus, bus stop. And it's great. People used to gather out there. You know, you get the elders, and we was youth man, look at the elders. So we were just outside the rock art shop, listening to tunes, because so young kids putting rock cards on, and we're just there, and listen to, listen to tune. So we used to have our dinner money and stuff like that. We used to sell uh, uh, our tickets, full tickets sometimes. School dinner tickets. Yeah, school dinner tickets. Some money yeah, to buy some, some money to buy rock cards. Yeah, we used to do that and sell our school ticket money, uh, dinner money, and the way outside there. But because we were youth, man, we was at the back of the queue. So you had the elders at the front. So if, 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 if Sir Yankee had one rock card and you, yeah, yeah, I want that one, I want that, you're a little youth, man. The man at the front is going to get the rock card because it's only got one in. So you have to remember that in your head and remember that tune. Oh, that tune by so-and-so. I'll remember it for next time. And then, so yeah, as a youth man, we just, we learned through that way from the elders that how to hustle and bustle to get a rock card. And then when you get a bit older, then you start using your elbows and, <coughs> and knees and stuff to get through, to get a certain rock card at that time. And for younger people now who are buying records, it's like records are like, they're, they're expensive now as well. Online. And back then, I mean, what, what, what were you paying? This, this is seven inch, seven, seven inch, inch 45. So seven what were you inch, paying man. for that? Seven inch, wow. You spent about 25 pence, man. 25 pence, as I say, it was dinner money. You know what I mean? You to pay for rock cards, seven inch rock card import, then 12 inch import. We just got pre-release them days, pre-release. It wasn't called 45, it was like pre-release to call it, you know what I mean? So 7 inch or 7 inch, 145, was 7 inch pre-release, you know what I mean? So when we heard that word, that word pre-release, you know, it's a, it's a special. And they weren't, like I say, they weren't expensive, but you know, you, you could get some with your dinner money, whereas now, it's yeah. like, I think people struggle to... Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know who buys them, they're so expensive. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, I'm just, I'm just enough for 7 inch, man. About £5, Yeah, £5, £10 even. Yeah, 7 inch now, I mean, I mean... When I think about it, you think about it now, Steve, you release records like, well, like rice. Imagine 25p for a seven inch. How much did it cost to make it then? Yeah. And how much did it get back from, how much did it get, same return? How much did it get back and same return on 25p? Go, go to the distributor and get your 10p. Wow. But the numbers though, it, it was a, the sales were so much selling. bigger then, I think, that it's, it's, you were selling volumes. Because yeah. the only way to get that tune was a record, whereas now you've got streaming and many different ways it's shared so much now that you know like I said 7 inch 12 inch 10 inch but going, but going back to this like shop and like so what 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 was going on in Leeds in that kind of time I and mean, what was like what was was thriving. there dances and thriving like... Leeds was thriving Leeds was that at community centre we had Gaty we had Hayfield Club we had community centres we had the uh, Chapel Town um, youth centre up in the ghetto Ghetto's thriving. Blues. We had, we had the, the most blues. Every street version had the blues. And this is those group as youth, man. You know what I mean? So, dances to us was like, something to look forward to. I mean, it was like, uh, like going to Disneyland or something. You know what I mean? To, to see sound systems string up and the wires, them, you know, like I said, people used to have four 
quads back in the days. People talk about doubles that's now. A, that's a four-way four way. Box, box with four, spe- four bass speakers. Four bass speakers in one, one column, that means sort of thing. It was funny though, because you, you had four bass speakers, then you had one mid-range and one top section. <laughs> so it's like, it was three-way back in the days, but this is a two-way, right? And then obviously, because preamps were like two ways, them days there, you know what I mean? And then it went to three way and then four way. And then obviously, nowadays, five and six way, you know, you know, preamps. But what about and the sound systems? You talk about preamps and sound systems. What what, what sound systems were there in Leeds? What, what sound oh, systems? Many sounds in Leeds. You... Magnum 45, Channel 1. Channel 1. There was an original Channel 1 in Leeds back in the day, by the way. Um, Rasparta, Emperor, Ambassador, uh, Genesis. No sound in Leeds. Too many sounds, in fact. Every street had a sound system. But my sound back in the day was like Magnum 45. There was like the more of a stepper sound because when you're a youth man, you just get need you to step. So that was our sound system them them time there. And where 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 were they? Where would you go in here, Magnum 45? Up in the ghetto, uh, Chapel Town, in the ghetto. Um, we used to play all over the place. Different, anywhere you could find a hall or a school. We used to, I remember one time when they the hired us the school. I forgot, for what street it was the school and then the windows were just vibrating you could hear the, the sound you could hear this rattling windows rattling and that's where you knew oh it's over there sort of thing and you used to go in there and then just just skank he says it was all about dancing and skanking and taking on each other who could do this and who could do that it was about that really musically it was about music number one skanking number two you used to go there with your own juice you used to go there with a bag full of juice, apple juice, orange juice, your own mixed juice, cassette recorders. You used to go in there with the... Going prepared. Prepared. You used to go prepared, man. You know what I mean? Towels, tracksuit. You went in there for, for, you, for, for, you, for a session. And you, you, you were stepping then. Of course. Because you, you're you known for your... I would say a lot of people know you for your like enthusiasm. Energy. And, 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 yeah, exactly, energy. And you, you yeah. still have it now. Yeah. And is, is that something you've always had? Is that is that you always? Yeah, that, that's, that's just me. That's just me. I just... It's no pretend business. It's just how I am. Just musically, I've been... I've been energetic from time. And that's how I, that's how I am, I suppose. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, we used to skank from nine o'clock to flipping three o'clock in the morning. Couldn't do it now because <laughs> we can't from nine o'clock till two minutes past. <laughs> That's different times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Edgy gone, but in that kind of way, the but energy still there. It's of like enthusiasm for this for this wonderful music. No, and it's like that whole kind of the energy of people, kind of. A lot of that we're talking about is like a younger thing. It's like a lot of young people in the dance as well. And I think back in those times, that's from what I can I can gather from it is there are a lot of young people there. So you've got a lot of youthful energy. Yeah, well, youngsters, we're not far off ages. I mean, them days were like teenagers, so we could have been 15, 16 to 20. And then the elders were like around 20, 25-ish. You know what I mean? The elders then. They weren't far off, maybe 10 years in advance of what we was because that was that era of musical because like I said our source of music was sound system not radio John Peel we used to do John Peel step on night to hear two tunes from John Peel hear a culture a Bernie Spears but our music was sound system and what what, what was Leeds like then what, what what are your recollections of Leeds from that kind of time because Leeds things like a different period you know yeah well we was at school so I mean we all Knew each other, you could walk the street, yo, Wagwan, Bridge, Bum, 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 Wagwan, yes, sister. You know what I mean? It was like, we all knew each other and we all, you know, looked out for each other, sort of thing, you know? And we, well, when we went to a dance, obviously, you know, your mates, if you, if you go by yourself, you know, you look up there and book up on enough, enough people that you know. So it was, it was just that kind of way there. I mean, and if you didn't know somebody, we knew somebody through music. So you might skank against that man there and then you end up being good friends, sort of thing, you know? So Leeds, Bradford and Huddersfield was the Yorkshire sound system culture because Huddersfield had a big part in this with Venn Street. Massive. You, you, you'd go across to Huddersfield? Of course. We'd, go, we'd catch bus or train or get a lift or whatever. And Bradford, Palm Cove was a massive place. Jatubi just go there regular. Wasifa, um, Sifa sound. So many stories I could tell you. But what, you what about what about these visiting sounds? The the Wasifas and the Jatubis. It's like were, were they bringing something 
kind of extra when, when they were coming into town, would you say? Jatobis was like virtually the biggest sound to come out of London up here. Because every week, not every week, every month, you, you virtually Tobis was, was in Palm Cove, Bradford or in Leeds or Huddersfield somewhere. Because it was one of them kind of sounds that had it. He had that hooliganism about him and he knew how to select and he had good MCs. So he was like, well, he was Tobin was, was one of the pinnacles of sound system from out of town at that time. And Shaka, obviously, Shaka used to come up here, up here as well quite a lot. And Shaka was like, in his younger days, was like, whoa, you know what I mean? The lion, the Zulu warrior. Saxon and Shaka played in community centre. So that's, 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 that's great, because that's the kind of thing would never happen again. And this is a community centre in the 80s, Jar Shaka and Saxon Sound System playing on their own sound systems yeah. in Leeds. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. It was a funny dance start because you had, you, had, you, had, you had Saxon followers and you had Shaka followers. A bit of a different scene, yeah. really. It was a mad, mad dance. Anyway, every time Saxon played, all the steppers man then walked out and then Saxon man then stayed in there. And all, every time Shaka played, the man was in there stepping so it was, a, it was a funny dance that way. I remember that dance really good because it was contrast, you know what I mean? Because if I Saxon by himself, wicked, it's all liquid, liquid, liquid. Tip of Iron and man, them, Papa Levi, the works, bad. And then you had Shaka, the warrior. Like you said, you won't get that, you won't get that again, but at that time, they were both on top. Saxon was on top and Shaka was on top. At some point, you started to get involved yourself and how, how did that happen? What, what are the earliest parts of you getting involved in a, you know, from moving away from attending the dances to some kind of involvement? Because I know you as someone who's a selector, box man, sound man, also artist, vocalist, everything. So what, what, what kind of thing happened first for you? One, 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 one for me, when I got involved, I used to go to blues. This is late. Blues is like late night parties from two o'clock till... And this is a Latin's house in Leeds. In houses, yeah. So I was just a youth man in a house, in a, in a house. And there were certain um, sounds playing, and my cousin had a sound. So I used to go there, and I used to be around the sound man them, and used to play the records, and, I, and to, the, to the record off the deck, I used to put the records back in the sleeve. That was your job? That was my job. So when I did put the record back in the sleeve, I'm looking and seeing green sleeves, Channel One, I'm seeing enough different labels, you know what I mean, upsetters, I'm seeing all different labels, and I'm seeing different artists. So I'm learning I learn who these artists are. I learn what rock hard labels are good. I learn so for me, when we really think about it now, I can, I can talk that way because even though I didn't know I was learning, I was learning. If you know what I'm saying, because rock hard labels, twelve inch, seven inch, you so were taking so, that in, taking it all in. I was just taking it in because I went to, I was starting to buy rock hards at that time from school. Like I said, dinner money business. Um, so when I uh, put rock hard into rock hard sleeves, but is that is that the start of blessing. thinking? Well, I, I I want to play this tune and like know, knowing what you want to, what you would play yourself if you were playing. Well, I learned who Barry Brown was. I learned who Johnny Clark was. I learned who the uh, culture and all them. I learned it was actually visible. I could see that it was this artist and it was this label and it was that track. So when I went to go buy records, I knew certain labels that was good labels. Because we all know Greensleeve is like one of the best labels ever. We know John Joe, you know what I mean? We know Upsetters, we know Channel One. You know, a certain label that was like tough, tough for them days there, you know what I mean? Syndicate label, this, that, the other. So you just knew certain labels was good and you, you could just, without even, even hearing it, yeah, I love that. Because it just generated good, good, good tracks, you know what I mean? And that's, that's how I learned. And I learned how to reel, reel up a wire around your hand, reel up a wire, um, how to wire sound, because them days it wasn't speak ons, it was just raw, left and right, black or red. Like yeah, tw- twisting yeah, wires. twisting wires, like breaking with your teeth, get the thing off with your teeth, and, and, and wiring black to black and red to red. Some of them color blinds so are the right white, white, black to black to red, and, <laughs> and vice versa. So you have to be very careful that level. Then get tape, use of tape, and wire tape around it. And this like the other. So I just learned so much from the elders that I didn't realize it would be me to who I am today. And how, how did you progress from putting the records into the sleeve to getting more involved? What, what was like the next step? Well, 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 next step for me was I, when I was at school now, I, 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 this thing called HP. I used to go to, rock, to um, a shopping town called Dixon's or wherever it was. I bought myself a ghetto blaster. Everybody in Leeds knows me for, from school. 
with a ghetto blaster. And I used to buy up. Take it everywhere with yeah, you. Yeah, take it everywhere with me. Everywhere, the park, everywhere. Everyone knows me for that. So my ghetto blaster was the main thing for me. And like someone said the other day, that was virtually my first sound system with the ghetto blaster. I used to take records, put them cassette tape. We used to walk around town with with play music like the Pipe Piper or something, you know what I mean? People used to follow me. I had a great friend of mine who's passed away now, but still with me, called Sam Mason. Me and him used to link up our ghetto blasters together. So we had double, we had quads, you know what I mean? Then two stacks. Two stacks. Two stacks, that's what I know. We said two stack of ghetto blasters. So everyone loved me for a ghetto blaster man back in the days. I mean, we're talking like 70s. So yeah, and I learned from there how to, what records labels, what this, that, what that was, what this was, and buying the records from so and so. I used to have a cousin, still got a cousin in there. Sheffield, because there was a good record shop in Sheffield, it was better than the one in Leeds. And uh, I used to phone him and say, yo, Barry Brown, this one, Barry Brown, that one, or so-and-so. I used to go to the shop and I said, anything on Syndicate label or Greece Leeds, get it. So I used to phone him up, send the money over, and then boom, he's got it for me. I used to go to Sheffield, pick him up, and I got a bag of records, come back home, can't wait to tape him, put him on turntable, tape him on the cassette tape, buff. Bam! I'm out in the street. Latest tunes. So that's like the f- first days of like, like like collecting and selecting, I guess, and, and yeah. also like performing, like taking it out to people. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like I'm going to stay at home. It's like I'm taking this out on the street. I didn't know at that time. I just love music. You know what I mean? I just love music. I just love music. But I've had this conversation with a few people, and it's some, something that I'm, I I believe firmly in as well. Is like kind of everyone likes music, but certain people they just get deeper into it. And it's like, did, did you realise that you had more of a thing for it than other people around you? Did you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I used, I used to be a selector for a lot of um, sound systems in that time because I used to rock around with the record back, record um, cases and, and, and select for a lot of different sounds. I didn't know sound them days. I didn't, I didn't even think about being a sound. I just wasn't in my you know, vocabulary to, to get a sound. I just was a selector. I just loved music. Yeah. So any record shot that popped up, I was there, you know what I mean? And I just learned how to buy records. Oh, that, I got that popular, that these are bags for me. So my name had Mark on it. So they put records in that bag for me. So when I went there now, I just go there, look at the bag, take out what I want. And then, um, yeah, I'm I'm up front. Were you into buying music from different styles and playing like in different styles at parties? Yeah, later on, then I got that popular sense of selecting that I buy, I bought hip hop, Lovers Rock, Soul, House, everything. everything. Because I, I had this job at, um, I call it a job, but I used to have this youth club. I started playing this youth club in Bradford called Checkpoint. And that was um, a collaboration from Huddersfield, Bradford and Leeds. We used to gather in this place on a Sunday, every Sunday, at Checkpoint between 7 and 11, I think it was. Um I, I I didn't realize it was it was like a it ended up being kind of like a a youth club, and it ended up making Huddersfield, Leeds, and Bradford congregate together. And you would select music. At this I time. was a select. I was a thingy, and it was it was just reggae at first. It was just reggae at first. But I used to have these people that used to follow me because I, I used to play you know house and stuff like that. And these I was dancing, so I had to change it up and educate them that. It's not all about just this record music. There's also a house, soul, lovers, and this, that, never. So I played across the board at this youth club. So I had a section of warm-up style first, then a section of then rubber dubs, then a section of dance house music, and then I also end up with steppers, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I had all that thingy. And I got booked for parties, I got booked for weddings, I got booked for all of the, all over just for my selection. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't realise that, you know, what was happening, but I just was happy to get booked to play somewhere. I got paid as well. I can't remember what fee it was, but it was some small fee, but it, it went a long way in terms of me buying records. So it went straight to records. So there was no, like, big plan. It just kind of, things, things just kind of happened then. Things just happened. It, just, it was just happening for me. It was just happening that I was a music man. I love music. I love going to my cousin's house as well, because he's, he's got the latest stuff from London, and he's like, go to his house and hear the latest stuff. And it, it got to a competition then, because he would get stuff from London, I'd get stuff from Sheffield. Get, so it got, to, it got to a kind of a competition that, who got this first? 
and whatever. And then it got, it got that way, and then yeah, you know, whatever. And then I suppose that's what got me into this kind of competition and sense of like, man, them days eh, things are secret, secretive. Imagine you get a, a, a single or from somewhere, man never tell man where you got it from. This is the but, days of scratching the label yeah. off and ah, like, taping over the ah, label. Scratching records and putting labels over it. That's, it got competitive in that way that man needs to hide what, who it's by, where it's by, what label it's on. Tra- it got to that much that he's a scratch the whole label and the whole, you know what I mean? Think of it, you know, you could do it with Greensleeves because Greensleeves is Greensleeves. You just, you could scratch off and think the, um, the, 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 the name but not the green sleeve because it's just green sleeves but when it comes to like some 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 very exclusive labels like seven inches you scratch off the um the, the name it was it was fun it was fun even even got to the stage when I even the house tunes I used to buy the garage back in the days I used to love house tunes even when it got to the stage I had to scratch off the name off there because people used to put their head over the, the turntable and over the DJ set and look look over the um when the record's going round and round, and they're watching the label go round and round, they find out what this tune is to go by. So you got to say, like, nice to put my own tags on there, like, stuff like, yo, dickhead, what are you looking at the shot card for? Yo, 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 you're not getting to know this title. So this is going around there, I'm watching it, I'm reading what I read, reading what I read on there, you little dickhead, what's happening here? So it was, it got funny, because we used to knock each other, like, elbow each other and say, yo, look what you're watching. And he's watching it go around and around and around. We used to laugh our head off because we had our own titles on it, you know? Because younger people who are listening will just won't realise the lengths that we had to go to to get music and to find out what it was. Now you can just like Shazam it, look at everything's on YouTube. Every even the most obscure things are on YouTube. But but then it's like you you had to you had to have your your tools and your knowledge and you had to dig deep to get stuff. Listen, listen. We used to we used to have to drive on the motorway and meet somebody halfway just to get one track, two track, three tracks, whatever it is. Yeah, man, we had to meet man on the motorway. To get to get certain tracks, right? You had to go to certain man's yard, certain man's studio for go get this certain duplicate done, or certain duplicate cut or whatever. We had to run around looking for them tuning bridging. That's why a lot of people will be vexed now because when stuff's getting re-released or reissued now, people I can understand why people get vexed because. The, the, yeah, we had to travel the, the world. Yeah, it was a struggle to go to to get this record, that record, and and pay you know pay whatever you pay. And then nowadays it's reissued. You think, oh no, it's killed it. You know what I mean? It's killed it. You know what I mean? Sort of thing. And up to this day, you know, I got I got my records in my stuff, nice and clean and stuff. And I, when you go to them, you you remember where you got that tune from. I remember you was chasing that tune for ages. I remember certain things about how it was. It was about chasing down tune. And did you did you realise at any point during this kind of stage that it was getting more serious? Because like, because to be so serious about selecting, collecting, is like, you know, it's it's, it's not for everyone. Well, exactly. It did get. You didn't, you didn't realise it was getting serious, but you, you knew that. You know, your cousins are getting this tune near. You're not telling you where where you got it from. So you're thinking, huh? And then y'all get the tune, so you usually end up not telling him where you got it from. So you did kind of get competitive that kind of way, you know what I mean? And he's scratching our rock cards and stuff. So at that time, it was just fun. But I suppose it is a bit of a competition isn't it? already from that time we didn't really realise competition. It's, it's interesting you're talking about like these house tunes and stuff. I, I've got a love of house music as well. I've had like from from when it started, really. And um, and it's it's like what, when I think of like Iration music, and I think of it as being quite sort of futuristic and forward thinking and whatever, and so that link to like, like, like when house music appeared, it was so futuristic. It's hard to imagine now yep. because it's just another genre. But yep. at the time, it was like, wow, no one had heard anything like this. Yep. And would would you say you you have an interest in sort of stuff that's sort of modern and futuristic and kind of progressive and? Yep. Is that, is that well that, that was that was that was just me I was just a man looking for, for, for new things um, all the time I was around enough people that was into, into, into all music I was just people like Lovers Rock I loved people like soul music house music dub music hip hop I was around all them people 
at that time. So we all talked about different music. So I knew more about music then, about the old industry, than they're doing now because, you know, you kind of grow out of it and I'm now my dubbed, you know what I mean, sort of thing. But I knew so much about everybody, what was going on, what was, who's the latest thing, who's this blah, blah, hip-hop guy, who's that house guy. So I learned about music so much. It, it was embedded in my head. It was embedded that every time I'm going somewhere to turn the radio or something, I know who it was. I know who it could be. And what what, what about things, because like, at some point you must have made a movement into the studio, because things like, oh. I, I tell rockers is what I think of, which is like, for people who are listening who maybe don't know, it's like a kind of house dub yeah. kind of project that you were involved in, yeah. which, which was a big thing at the time. Yeah. And if you listen to it now, you can hear the iration all over it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was—it's it's a total mix of different genres and yeah. things. And it's you're right. like you—and you—you were part of that thing. Yeah, obviously. you're right. You're right. That was Ita's anthem. Is called by Ita Rockers because my sound first sound system was called Ita Rockers. I've been through many sound before that Concrete Line and blah blah blah. But my first sound with Sam with Sam Sam Mason, rest in peace, was Ital Rockers was our name. And we played parties, like I said, all over the world, all, all over the world, all over England. And Idle Rockers was a, a. I just messed about. I got some equipment that fell off back of a lorry, so we kind of built came your way, came our way, came out, came our way, and uh, four track, uh, keyboard, drum machine, stuff like that came to our hands. I'm just like messed up, just like messed about, ding, 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 whatever. And then this melody came to my head, whatever. And then the bass line, everything. It just, it, I just did it for fun. And I played it, because I say I played certain places. We had these jams in the cellars in, in Leeds. Hip hop, it was all, all genre music, hip hop, everything, right? Like I said. And I put this tune on. The one that you made. Yeah, I made, I made, I just anthem, yeah. And it just took life. It absolutely took life. And I didn't think nothing of it in that way there. So every time I played it, people asked me, what, you know, what is it? And it says, oh, just, I, this is a tune. This is a... So it ended up being that good that someone to sign it up. There's a record label called Warp Record back in the days that was to sign it up. They in like Sheffield, is it? Yeah. Yeah. But when I was about to sign for Warp, there's some friends of ours called LFO who blew up. Yeah, they're like a big techno Yeah, they just blew up because it's tuned LFO. That kind of blew up. So when it blew up, it's a small rock on independent label that I'm not used to things blowing up. This happened like that. So when I put a sign for them, this thing just came, LFO's in charts and everything just went chaotic, you know what I mean? So I never got signed up by warp at that time because that went chaotic so this other label in Leeds called Basic Records they said they'll sign me when you're youth you just want to get a track out you just want to get a track out because you know your mates have got tracks out and to tell mates that you've been signed that is yeah like, that's... Nightmares and Wats got signed to warp and LFO got signed to warp and I was about to get signed to warp I didn't get signed to warp because uh that just blew up. But so even basic a small records, label, you get signed to a small yeah, label, you're so, still I've got a record deal. Yeah, so I got signed to a small label, basic records. They did the, they did the thing, tunes up this day. I was talking to um, LKJ LKJ Bookham and, and, and Groove Rider and, and Fabio and them man are still playing the track now. They said it, it's one of them classic big tracks. And I was so proud that they still play it now. Well, it's, like, it's like bass music before bass music was invented because it's got the mix of like yeah. kind of dance music, but also you can hear the kind of reggae and the futuristic yeah. stuff. It's really and like you said, like you said, like you said, Steve, you heard it, you heard it. If anybody hears that track as anthem, it, it is you can hear it. It's it's I it's iration all over because you hear the samples and stuff and the way the, the bass drops and the mix. I mix that light, by the way, as well. And that horns melody kind of thing. That's <laughs> the like... melody. The melody is like yeah, you know, it's one of them iration top lines. You know what I mean. So if you hear it, anybody, it's called Alta's Anthem by Alta Rockers. You hear it and you'll judge for it yourself. But it's a massive track. Of just 30 years old now. But and it's still going on. massive tracks, it's like, because where I got involved, really, is as a fan of Iration Steppers Records when they first came out. And I remember when High Rise Vibrations came out yeah. and when Kilimanjaro came out. And especially High Rise, I think. Yeah. Was that the first one? The first record on your... That was... As Iration? That was the first... 
Dennis Rudical and Mark yeah, Irish right, track. Okay, because I was in America. I mean, Dennis was making was was Dennis for me for this project, Kitachi project, and then I took out to America um, before this could, could, could happen. So when I come out from America, I just came back and Dennis, me and Dennis was here. She was a different side, High Rise, and that's the first track we built together, High Rise Vibration. Before that, I had Scud Missile and International International Footstep. That's my first release in dubwise. And then, yeah, High Rise Vibration was the first track me and Dennis made together. Kilimanjaro's and all I'm reminiscing and everything. Because I, I, I can't underestimate or understate how big a thing that was at the time because there hadn't been anything else. Because there was all the, I was a big fan of like Dread and Fred and Dub Jude and all this digital stuff. And then High Rise comes along and it's just like, it kind of like blasts through everything as this kind of like mega anthem and it sounded so futuristic. And yeah. What, what, what was it like to be involved in, I mean, how did that happen? And Dennis and what, what, what was all that about? Well, like I said, like you just mentioned, Ironworks, man, there's another wicked track called um, Warrior Stance. Warrior Stance is one of the best digital tracks ever yeah. to come out at that time, along with Prowl and Lion from Disciples. And then Scud Missile was in that category of a track that people couldn't understand at, at one time. And then when he, when he got it, he got it. You know what I mean? And then he, he went he massive. That's one of the biggest tracks ever sold as well as at that time. Was, you know what I mean? The Dennis Ridicule thing is a... Uh, is he, is he Peterborough? Peterborough? Peterborough, but come for Peterborough originally, but he's in London. But the Dennis Ridical thing is one of the best things, besides my other friend, Sam Mason, the Dennis Ridical, one of the best things that happened to me in my life, the sense of friendship and understanding of music for the future, because he understood we want to move this thing on, because dub was kind of stagnant. No, no sounds, no new sounds coming out in sense of like musically, people were scared to, to innovate stuff, you know what I mean? Like back in the days when King, King, King Tubby's innovated stuff, scientists innovated stuff, Lee Scratch Perry innovated stuff, uh, Buddy Lee innovated, innovated stuff. There was no innovation really coming in the 90s besides that, unless you listen to the Ironworks and Disciples was doing, doing stuff, yeah? And, and you know, obviously Manasseh and Dougie Conscious. But I wanted to even go beyond that. That's why the name 3000, Year 3000 Star came out, because I wanted something... Because in the nineties, the year two thousand was coming, and it was a big thing. It was yeah. like you know, it was something people talked about. And now it's like ancient history. It was like so three thousand was like three thousand styles. Because we days well, we love our seventies music, and we all said, "I can put on the seventies music now, and it still sounds fresh today." So I said to Dennis, "Dennis, you know what? Let, let's build something that people can play in the next ten years or twenty years." We think about the next 10 years, 20 years, but they can play and it still sounds fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going out there looking at modules and this, that, the other that had futuristic sounds to it. Oh, you know, these, these, are, fresh. these are like little synthesizer yeah, kind of yeah, machines. Yeah, down, down there, you know what I mean? Right? So modules, look at modules, and I, I, I was fascinated by modules, you know what I mean? So these sounds came out, and that's why the first album, the original dub that, came from that because we were actually doing a project, Kitachi which was hip-hop and trip-hop and all our background, because yeah, then it's like, yeah, yeah. then it's like um, that music as well, so we fit in nicely, because the project was originally supposed to be Dub Judah and Rutikow, okay. but Dub Judah wasn't feeling it, so he asked me, because you know how I did in the house tune, and I'm futuristic and whatever, so we linked up with the Kitachi, and it's the best thing, again, that I've, I'm glad I did it, I did it because it was like, our backgrounds fused into this Kitachi thing. And at the same time, we're building dubs. And what, what was it like? Because at that time, I mean, because basically you guys put that record out, didn't High Rise? It's like on your label, is that yeah. right? Well, um, uh, the original dub that was put on dub, dub heads. Uh-huh. Is it dub heads? Dub heads. Yeah, SRD's. SRD, yeah. yeah. SRD put it out for us at that time, because obviously we, we had no money in them time there. So it got licensed by them. Um, we, we, we put out the high rise vibration by and the high 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 regions for ourselves. But, but yeah, for high rise when that came out, I mean, what, oh, high rise was oh, our label, yeah, so yeah. And what what high was rise. it like? What was the reaction to it? And how 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 did that change things for you? Because I I got to know your music through that for sure. 
I wasn't thinking of, of how it changed anything. I wasn't thinking that way because at this time now we had Irish Steppers was 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 playing out. So we had our, our own AR. We could build track now. That's why you hear me sometimes saying, this one build six o'clock, six a.m. mix watching GMTV. Cause them times that midday was up at six, seven in the morning, mix it down dubs. And we're gonna cut we're gonna get, get the van at midday to go down to South End or whatever it was, yeah? So we built the dubs, put it straight onto the onto that. And then played it in South End. People going crazy. People go crazy. We had this thing called Dummy Craze up in, in uh, Bradford also. We played tracks there. So we could do our own ENR and, and test it to the test it to the crowd there and then. Fresh off the mix, hot, still hot like fire. Like just come out the oven bridging. So the the tube was just there. So the high vibration, the Kilimanjaro's. When I made Kilimanjaro, personally, I was um, here and the track was getting built. We built the, the track there. I went to the kitchen to get a drink. And I had, some, had a post on the wall, some African post on the wall. And one of them said Kilimanjaro. So I'm in the kitchen now and I looked at this poster. Like someone, something said to me, look at the poster. I looked at this poster and then the children playing. And I said, Kilimanjaro. It's came to my head. And I said, Dennis, how's this sound? So I said, Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro. Sang, I sang that. And he says, yeah, 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 let's put let's, let's it down, let's put it down. So we had a, a little sampler. We put in a sampler, let's sample it. And it says, let's, let's put that Africa in there. Africa. Ding, 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 gun, 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 ding, ding, ding. Africa. Ding, 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 ding. Africa. Kilimanjaro. So that was, and it's fading this letter, is that? Because that's, that's kind of proof that like how, it's, it's such a strong track and it's kind of got those two words in it. <laughs> but that's all it needs because that's, that's enough. It just completely... Like, that's what I'm saying. Up to this day, up to this day, we said to ourselves, we said to ourselves, why? Kilimanjaro, the two words, and it's like one of the biggest tunes out there right now. People are singing it, you know what I mean? So, and stuff like that. And I've had some remixes lately by OBF and, and um, King Alpha and they're taking life, you know what I mean? Sort of thing. So, but yeah, obviously the original I was. And is it is it fair to say that some people were a little bit critical because it's like it's too futuristic for they some people? They will be critical of Irish steppers. They will be critical of Irish steppers. It, it doesn't phase us or phase we ever again because when I first changed that from acetate to that, we were getting flack for that as well. We we, we started putting acid into the music I call it acid like the ooh, the top lines of the acid like analog yeah analog analog sims yeah, yeah. when we started doing that we took flack for that so when we did anything when we did Kitachi we knew we, 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 we got flack for it because people wanted you know what's this what we're doing here we didn't care because we were thinking ahead of what we can do for ourselves and we wasn't thinking about you know anything else but just making music so for us Making music was like just the greatest thing ever because it was a pastime that we could do for free. We we could make music for free. You know what I mean? We had to go to no studio because we had it in a high rise. We had a studio there in a high rise, and we just built tune for free. And before, around, and sorry, but around this time, obviously, you've already set the sound system up, and it's like yeah. one of its first kind of like installments of Iration Steppers so yeah. you've got the label and the production with Dennis and the sound system and it's kind of um, I guess things are kind of busy in the 90s at this point and what, oh. what, t- tell me about the, the starting of the Iration Steppers sound system that was a got long story short in the in the 80s there was a collective of, a collective of 10 people say and we all put money into a kitty every month or every week can't remember what it was now Anyway, sorry, short. Sure, a lot of people start to fall behind, so they're like weeks behind or months behind. And we thought, well, we need to pay this money. Ended up not happening. They fell so far behind that like it didn't work. So me and Sam was very enthusiastic about building, building something. So we said, let's build our own. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So long story short, we built our own. That's like called Ita Rockers at that time. We got a, we got four boxes and stuff made, professionally made by some. Antique people, we like old school cabinet. Um, I mean, proper cabinet makers. We had to explain to them so and so because we worked. I mean, some they worked 
quite close by to this cabinet maker. So we, we went to that, that cabinet maker. The, the first thing we went to was cabinet maker there, proper furniture. And these things were proper made, proper... <laughs> Indestructible. You didn't want to. You didn't want to scratch them. Did they have the round holes for yeah. the ports for the birds? Pra- yeah, all that business and just neat, varnished everything. And we didn't want to scratch them. So every time they would scratch them, I got vexed. So anyway, they made our first boxes cabinet makers business. Anyway, from then on, now then our, people kept saying to me, "Where do you go? Where do you go bigger?" I, said, ah, I can't afford to go bigger, man. I got no space to go bigger. Anyway, we had these competitions which you can see online on YouTube. Ita Rockers versus Amagidian, Amphit Rockers versus Earth Rocker. You see me back in the days as a rubber dub DJ, strictly vinyl and strictly good MCs. We had competitions and we won them all. We had, I think we had about three or four competitions. We won them. Them days I used to use Ita Rocker boxes and Borrow boxes. So I borrowed sound system and I borrowed boxes same way from, um, from other people. And then you got to the stage now and people saying, oh, build your own. You could, build, you could build your own. I said, oh. Anyway, I eventually did. And that's when it came to me playing Shaka, Jashaka in, uh, in Lee's Mandela Centre. And then coming down to London and playing Jawarriors and Abashanti in the same dance. And then it just, it just went on from there. South End got, in, South End got involved. South Hall got involved. University of Dub came along. Dummy Crazy, Sub Dub. Everything just started to roll into just playing out. We knew at that time we were nobodies because we were about this sound called Abashanti from London. And when we, the first time the first time we played Abashanti, we knew that all I wanted to do was come down there and just get respect from the people. All I wanted to do was get respect. I, I thought we'll, we'll get beaten up, but this come up with with, with 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 pride. You know what I mean? Because any sound out of London is country. They call it country sound. So where's a country sound coming to London with no? Nothing to lose, like underdog, because I love football, so I know we're underdogs. So I went there as underdogs, so it didn't, it didn't phase me. Why? But that dance was a different thing. When we, went, when we got down there, man, it was a wicked dance. This is Robert Tribulation, by the way, that um, booked this dance with some power. And where, where would that have been in Southall? Southall. Southall. Yeah, Southall. I think it's it Southall Community Centre. And that dance, why, it, it, it changed my life. In the sense of like, Talk about respect. It was a, you know, the crowd was, the crowd loved us. The crowd absolutely loved us and I couldn't believe it. You, you could see you there. had something then. I could see you had something then because the same, the same day, we got flack from some people saying, acid music, acid music. Could have put on Scud Missile, acid music. You could hear the background by the time the little gap comes on, acid music. So I thought, what well, about acid music? You know what I mean? It's just futuristic. We think about it as year 3000 style. Every time we played, the, the dance was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. People skanking and my sound was a bangerang sound them days. They, so it's like just... You know what I mean? Just lacing out. You have people from Gloucester, like Jachinity Masses. They was one of our biggest followers. And the reason why I love them, man, come to our dance so much, because it was with those bagarastas. Like a bingy rasta that like loved to skank. And and the reason why I like them for because they they didn't look at it in the sense of like, boy, that's not double or like that. They looked at it as like a change, futuristic change. And they loved they couldn't wait for Scobisal to come on. When Skull came on, you would see foot reach from the floor, past the head, up it's like gymnastics and stuff like that, man. It was it was crazy. It was like so every time I saw them dance, I smiled. Because I know that them man there. If they're going to skank, everyone's going to follow him. Because it takes some people to go on the floor to get people to skank. I mean, like nowadays. And honest to God, I, I, I can give Trinity, Trinity Massive a big up. Because they was uh, one of my biggest followers at that time. And um, South End, they were, they was like, they were mad. At that time, the 90s, for me, is one of the best eras of music ever. Them eras... 70s, 80s, 90s for me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's when I era. kind of discovered it all. Yeah. Like, early 90s and yeah. stuff. But, I like, but, when you, but when you're going into those like big dances the first time and you're playing good and people are enjoying it, then it can give you a lot of confidence and really show you that like, right, I, I really want to do this. It just, it was just joyful because like I said, I'm a country boy. I'm coming from Leeds to London. We're country. And that's what most people got, people got called Back in the day, some London sounds. If you go for Birmingham, 
Bristol, or wherever, anyway out of London, your country. And I'm a countryman going into London. And to get that full respect, that the crowd went mad for us. It, up to this day, I, I, can, I, can, I can say, yo, give thanks. Like a give thanks for that era. Give thanks to Robert, Robert, Robert Relation for booking us at, at that time there, uh, back in the days. And then we kept going south ending all the time. And we kept going south all the time as well uh, 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 in that era. And then we got invited to um, University of Dub because my side was so small then. And then I bought some speakers. I bought out um, Jawarriors. The I yellow bought, yeah. system, yeah. Yeah, I bought Jawarriors. I remember hearing his sound. We played his sound in Palm Cove and I had my sound, little bangerang sound, and I heard his sound, it's mine. And he killed me sound-wise, not musically, because the music guy was still strong. But he had music as well, same way. And uh, when he says this, he says, he asked me, he says, Mark, am I some sorry now? Huh? And then I says, oh, okay. If you are, let me know. And then the day I actually bought his sound is that I played on my sound system for the last day in Bristol, um, Blue Mountain Club. That's the last day I played on my sound. And I sold it to a, a man who came in a van and my sound went back in, in his van. Because your old sound went down to Exeter. Exeter. Or something, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah to Majestic. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Majestic. Adam. 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 Respect Adam. And he bought the sound. He's still going now. It's still going now, yeah, for real. And then I went to uh, me and uh, I mean Ublo, San Madrid and Rutico went to Jawarrier's lockup, and I just bought the sound and everything. And I was so proud that I thought, wow, I'm a big, I'm a big sound now. I'm a big sound now. You know what I mean? I'm thinking that I'm a big sound now. And then we got called to University of Dub, and then I thought, wow, I'm I'm, I'm a big man them now. You know what I mean? So is this Brixton Wreck? Yeah, Brixton Wreck, Brixton Wreck. Like I said, I, I was never calling my, I was never calling myself a big sound. My sound was just a sound system. I, I would never call myself a big sound. I never thought of that. What we was about was about vibes and about making futuristic music. That's what we was about, and 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 that's what I want people to, to to recognize our iteration for. But we like innovators in the sense of like innovating stuff fresh and not scared of trying stuff. That's why the name Vanguard of Dub came from because we weren't scared of being on the front line doing stuff and that's why the name 3000 style came because we wanted our music when we're dead and gone that people are going to play our music and remember it for what it was what it is so that was just our motto really we weren't going out there to the best sound or any sound but our sound had vibes all the London man River Rooftop Scott all the man them Boynton Rogers Dennis Rutical one of the best skankers out there we just had that vibe. The Leeds thing is interesting because obviously I'm based in Leicester and again, I've had, I, I tend to say the same thing to a lot of people but I thought about moving to London at one point when yeah, I started because I thought too. I had to and then now when I look back, yeah. I'm so happy I stayed uh, in Leicester because I think I brought something different. <laughs> so I don't know what, how you think about being in Leeds and not in London because I think we, we both love London and love to play there and love to visit. Well, it's Steve, kind of, the I don't same know what you thing think about that. You just said there, I nearly moved to London myself because at that time it was like London was the place to be to, 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 to end for anything to happen for us. You're up and down the M1. I've been down the M1 all the time, I thought. And South End was doing it as well, and South Hall, and everything was just down that area kind of thing, you know what I mean? Bristol, Bristol as well, you know what I mean? And Bristol's always been my second home, because Bristol always loved me for some reason. So from day one, they've always respected me, and I love Bristol for that, and I'll just stay. But like I said, we nearly moved to London, and the reason why I didn't move to London, because I couldn't find a garage for the, for the, for the, for the, for the sound. So like I said, it's the best move I've ever made, because people in London are moving out of London, uh, no disrespect to London, but it just at that it, it just things was happening. The congestion channels, all that. You couldn't park here. You couldn't go down that road. You couldn't do this, and that's what, what put me off London. That you couldn't do certain things that I could do in Leeds. You know what I mean, sort of thing. And I love Leeds, and I always live love Leeds, and I'm always I'm here. Like you love Leicester, I love Leeds. I'm glad that moved it, Mech. But the move, the move nearly got made. Yeah, yeah like for you, nearly. Yeah, no disrespect to London. No, if you come from somewhere else, you can. Do yeah. something different. Like Leicester's if you look if, if you look at if anyone talks about Leicester producer, it's Vibronics. If you talk about Leeds, sound system or high rise or anything like that, it's iration steppers. You know what I mean? It is, we've made that name that people know is it, that's part of their heritage now. You've brought like dub music, introduced it to people 
you've, you've introduced it to people who never would have heard it before. Yeah. Like new generation, whether it's students, young people, whatever. But it's like you, you've, you've managed to bring that raw, undiluted version of dub to people who'd never normally get to hear it. Yeah. In other cities, they wouldn't hear it. Well, give thanks, give thanks to Simon Scott for this. Um, he's the man behind this thing, yeah. Back in the days, because he approached me and says, oh, he's thinking about putting a night on. He says, oh, yeah. What, 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 what night is this? And then they mentioned the name Subdub, which didn't mean nothing at that time. But it wants me to use a sound system and be, me be the residency. I said, okay, yeah, no problem, sounds good. So we did it, started off in the place, a little place where you, you're going to the next, this week, yeah, The Wire. Then it was called Think Tank. Um, small place, we had about, well, I think, I think Sam said to me about, about 100 people down there we had. And then it grew, I think probably had about three times and this got big, like 200, 200 people started going down there. So we had to move out of there then went to a senior centre. And I said to Simon, I said, Simon, if you're gonna move, if you're gonna move down there, I don't want this thing to be ready to be a backroom thing. And then you've got the other jungle or whatever in the front room. I said, if I'm going there, I want to be a the front room thing. So dubs in the front room and then you got a thing in the back room. Because everywhere you went at that time, yeah, Reggie was the back room. Like the chill. Oh, the back room. Or, yeah. So that's why I said, no, I want to be a front room. We made a front room thing. And then, like I said, we invited a world of people. And then we got our biggest dance was this one here. Our biggest dance was this one here. When we got when we um did a big sub dub and we invited the world's biggest dub party, Lee Scratch Perry, scientist, man professor, and this was a this, this was a, our biggest dance. It was it was that big, people couldn't get in. Well, we've sort of been talking for a while. There's just a couple of last little things I just wanted to ask you about before we kind of wrap up. Um, and because we talked a lot about when you started and Leeds and stuff as well, but one thing that you're known for as well is like international traveller, and you've been to the sort of four corners of the world. And and again, I ask a lot of people about this, but is that a surprise? Like how far it's taken you? Well, yeah, of course it is. Massive surprise. I didn't expect going to Australia, or Japan, and Mexico, Peru, Colombia, America. France obviously is the first one because France was France was our first time going abroad. You, I think, you was part of the the um, Easy Dub Ducasse. Easy Dub Ducasse. That was a that's the next thing we need to talk about because Easy Dub Ducasse was one of the people that believed in believed in the uh, UK scene. There was no because now you go to France, amazing big sound systems. Oh no, yes, but in but those days you're talking a tiny little speaker. We used to play monitors in a bar or something. monitors. We used to play monitors, shakily monitors, man. It's funny and take over like take over. Like I said, take a suitcase of wires. Give thanks to them, man, because them man believed in this, this, in this UK scene. And like I said right now, look how big it is, um, Steve. France has gone massive. Everyone's got, everyone's got a sound system now, you know what I mean? Spain right now is the biggest thing right now. Spain, they're loving it, man, right now. Mexico, they're loving it right now. You know what I mean? It's gone international. I never thought it would, it would have gone international. You never thought of it is going to go international because... It come from Jamaica, America, England, France, Europe, which we, which we are. But to go to Australia and go to Japan, I mean, Japan is one of my favourite places, as you know, as you know, Steve, yourself, when you've yeah, been Karinaka. there. Yeah, Karinaka, 1945. Well, you like, know, you know that, you know already, Japan is like one of them places that, if you haven't been there, you have to go there because there's some tranquility about that place that is just special. It, it, to explain it, it's hard, but every time I explain to anybody to go to there, they'll come back and they'll say the same thing. Mark, you're right. And I think this also for is... people of our generation, we were brought up with seeing it on TV as kids and it was always like, it was the futuristic kind of place and almost like another planet. So to actually go there and play music, it really felt to me like a real achievement. It's like I've made it to Japan and it's kind of, there's something special about going to Japan. I don't know, there's something about Japan, man. That just chills you out. I think what, what surprised me in many ways is like, like the language thing. Because you think, because obviously reggae music is sung in English language because of the, the Jamaican like root of it. And I, I never thought it would be popular in France and Spain and Japan and Mexico and these places where, you know, English is not the language, not the primary language, yet it still managed to be, um, you know, a huge thing over there. Well, like I said... Reggae music or any music is not, it's not, it's not, it's not about language. It's about the vibe. It's about the feel of music because like Bob Marley says, when music hits you, you feel no pain. 
So music is not you know about language; it's about the feel of the music and the groove and the vibes and the mystical, mystical surroundings of it. A lot of people have learned English through the reggae music. We've created this thing because it was a Jamaican thing at first, but in England we've created it into our music, into our dub music. You know what I mean? And then it went overseas, so obviously with Europe, but all over France and all over, all over the world. Well, finally, I'm asking all the guests the same question. This book of dub question. So I'm opening the book of dub, and Mark, what do you want me to write next to your name? Well, Mark Irish, and then it's Rutical. I would say innovators, 90s innovators that wasn't scared to, to, to try new things out. Innovators, we are innovators, this is of dub machines, the way that we've used the acid sound, the new sounds, is this, that, the other, because everyone's using it right now when they was knocking it, they were knocking it years ago. We took so much flack for that. So yeah, innovators. Thanks again for joining me and Mark for this fifth episode of the Life in Dub podcast. As ever, you can visit the website lifeindub.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Life in Dub and feel free to email me at vibronics at gmail.com with any comments and suggestions for the show. And I'll see you all again in two weeks for the next Life in Dub podcast.